as the children go off to uh, Children's Church, if you'd like to, with uh, Sarah. And uh, thankful for a big group of kids this morning. We're thankful for that. And uh, this morning we look. We've been looking at different uh, Christmas uh, songs of the season. Uh, and how they relate to the Christmas story. And this morning, look at uh, Silent Night. Um, sang it uh, this morning. And this morning, I've titled my morning's message anything but a silent night because that Christmas morning uh, 2,000 years ago was anything but silent. Uh, and the Christmas message keeps us from being silent. Uh, and yet, the background of the, the song is kind of interesting. Uh, it was written 203 years ago, so it's an old song, uh, almost as old as Brother Bill. Uh, in fact, uh, it, it was uh, a, a young priest named Joseph Moore was, uh, who lived near Salzburg, Austria, uh, was walking home after a Christmas play uh, to his house and uh, looked out at a peaceful winter scene. Um, he was a little bit discouraged because the organ at his church was broken, uh, and so they weren't going to have any music for the Christmas Eve service. Uh, and so he decided he would write a poem. Uh, they would ask the choir director to set uh, to music. Uh, Seth will not like to hear this, but Silent Night had six verses to this poem. Uh, we actually sing the first, sixth, and second verse. Uh, those three that we normally sing, they were the first verse, then the last verse, and then the second verse. And so we, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, so uh, Joseph Moore took that uh, carol poem after he had wrote it and went to the, the church organist, Franz Gruber, and asked him to write uh, the music. Uh, and he penned it that night. He just had a few hours to write uh, that music. And they performed it on Christmas Eve, so December 24th, 1818. So 203 years ago. And it has been, uh, interestingly, how it grew in popularity. You may not find this interesting. I kind of do. It doesn't have anything to do with the sermon, so I'll tell you quick and then get on with it. But the guy that came to fix the organ came the week after. Uh, and he fixed the organ. And, of course, Franz Gruber, beat, no, or he, he played uh, his uh, tune on that organ, and the organ repairman liked it so much that he took the music with him back home, uh, and it got into the hands of some singers that sang it before the king of Prussia. Uh, and it kind of spread all around the world from there. So that's kind of an interesting story about how uh, that song became so popular, and now it's one, I mean, we sing it every year, uh, one of the most popular Christmas songs. But you know, the thing about Christmas carols, no matter how long you sing it, you know, they never grow old. And we, we, we love them, and that, that message should... Uh, and just the Christmas story, uh, though you've probably heard it all of your life, um, it never grows old. Uh, and we hear it over and over and over again. Uh, some of those sappy Hallmark movies I really don't like watching... Uh, a second time, because I already know, well, even the first time, you know how it's going to play out, how it ends. Uh, and yet the Christmas ones, I actually like watching every year. Uh, the rest of them I don't, but the Christmas ones, you know, uh, 
I guess because it's Christmas. Uh, and so, I, you know, we'll, we'll watch those things over and over again. And you know what? The story of Christmas must never grow old. Uh, and it must never become commonplace. And we must never get over the wonder uh, of the Christmas message. Um, as wonderful and kind of awe as the decorations and, pre- and all those things that go on with Christmas uh, are, we ought to marvel and wonder, even as adults, the wonder of the story that God loved us so much that he would come himself so that we could have life. That We, we must never get over that. And as we look at, we're going to look this morning in uh, the Gospel of Luke, uh, beginning in verse 67. And it's the story of, uh, actually, uh, Zechariah and John. Uh, and so the, the cousin uh, of, of Jesus. Uh, and so let's take a look, beginning in verse 67. It says, Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the desert till the day of his manifestation to Israel. What a interesting prelude. And if you know the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, you know that when uh, the angel of the Lord came and told Zacharias that he was going to have a son that was going to be a a forerunner of the Messiah, Zacharias laughed. and said, you crazy. Uh, And as a result of that, Zacharias couldn't talk. That's a bad thing for a preacher. Uh, so he was, his lips were shut up for at least nine months, uh, and he couldn't speak. And so the first thing that came out of his mouth as he uh, had brought his son John uh, the Baptist into the uh, Lord's house to be dedicated is a proclamation of what God had done and what God had said. Uh, was going to happen, and this is the forerunner, the the prequel, if you will, of the Christmas story that's going to come in chapter two. And he says, "Listen, you you know, uh, and it it always happens just the way that that God says it will. 
I don't know why we find that so surprising and, and why we wonder and why we doubt. But God has proven himself faithful and he promised, he has shown over and over again, hasn't he, through the eons, he knows what he's doing. Uh, and he's got things figured out and he will always be there for his people and his promises will always come to fruition uh, just exactly like he said. It may not come in our way and in our timing, but it will come in his way and in his timing, which is always perfect. And so John the Baptist, this, this young baby, would, would come and he, he not only uh, prophesies or proclaims what uh, his son John would accomplish and what his work and part in the Lord's plan would be, but also what the Messiah would accomplish and what he would come uh, to do. And I'm thankful that we all have a part uh, in that story. And when we think of prophecy, we often think of telling the future. And that is one aspect of prophecy, but the most often uh, use of prophecy in the Bible is not telling the future, but proclaiming uh, God's word. And that is what Zacharias is doing. He's proclaiming, when he says he's prophesying, he's proclaiming exactly what God had said that he was supposed to proclaim and what his son would do and what the Messiah would do and accomplish. Zacharias learned not to doubt and laugh at the obscurity of the Lord but to trust him. And remember that the message that brings hope to this world is not something that's to be kept quiet, but something that we're supposed to make some noise about. Uh, now, some of you make a lot of noise on Saturdays, especially during football season, and I think that's okay. Um, but if we make that much noise about our football team, then we probably ought to be able to make as much noise and be as excited about our Lord and Savior and what he wants to do. And so if you're going to, you know, shout and root for your team, I'm sorry, you better shout and root for Jesus as well. And so there's a few things, about, you know, that God does not want us to keep silent, that God has a message and God has a work for all of us to do and part of God's story because I want us to understand that all of us have a part to play and an investment in this Christmas story in Luke chapter 1 and 2. All of us were there. Well, we weren't there physically, but we were there in spirit. We were there when God looked into the future and saw me and saw you and saw all mankind and saw the hopelessness that we have because of the sin that was destroying us. And he loved us so much, and he knew that the only way that we could have redemption and find uh, hope and that we would find salvation and the remission of sins was if God himself came in the person of Jesus Christ. What a great message, and as great as that message was that first year, it's still a great message 2,021 years later. And so I think there's several things that Zacharias reminds us that we need to be doing and making noise about uh, in the Christmas story. And the first is this, that we need to be proclaiming deliverance. 
the first thing, the most important thing that, that Zechariah says, is, reminds us, is, hey, listen, God of Israel has come to deliver his people. Isaiah said it this way, he said, the people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. And who is that light? It wasn't a star. It wasn't a moon. That light is Jesus. Jesus was the one that came. to the, And it was Jesus was the one that was going to accomplish it. And Zacharias had been given this message and reminds the people, reminds, uh, you know, his son. And I'm sure that people, have, as he grew up, he, they told him, hey, listen, your dad said this at your dedication day. Um, and we know that that's how John lived his life because we see him as an adult. And we know that he did and was faithful to doing what God had called him to do. And just as his dad had reminded him this, you know, this first uh, pre-Christmas that God was going to deliver his people. And that's the message of Christmas. It's not a, a message of presents and you know, lights and trees and carols, but it's a message of deliverance. To Listen, it doesn't matter how rotten things are right now in your life. It doesn't matter how bad your life is. It doesn't matter how much of a mess you've made of things. The message of Christmas is this, that there's hope and there's deliverance because a deliverer was coming. And the message of Christmas for us today is that the deliverer has come. That Jesus did come in a little town called Bethlehem many years ago. But that he's also coming again. When you know people, Jesus said it this way in the, the gospel. He said, you know what, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And then he said down verse 36 of John chapter 8. He said, if the Son has made you free, then you are free indeed. What Jesus was saying was, if you know Jesus, if you know me, you know deliverance. Jesus is the only one that had power to deliver from sin's curse. And here's the thing, he came and he lived his perfect, a perfect life, and he did accomplish and defeat sin and its curse. So that if we would call on him and we would live for him, we could find freedom and hope and newness. And so the message of Christmas is this, that, hey, listen, yeah, you may be walking in darkness, but there's light, and you can go from being in darkness to being in light. It's a whole lot better to live life in the light than in darkness. I think we would all agree with that. Though sometimes we're more comfortable in the dark, life is much better in the light. And here's the thing, even when you walk through dark times and dark seasons, when you have the light of Jesus in your life, you're never really in darkness, are you? Because as long as you have the light of Jesus, there's light and there's hope. And so Zacharias proclaims this message of deliverance. That God has redeemed his people that he should, they should be redeemed and saved from the people that hate them. 
from enemies. He's not talking about, I don't think, physical enemies. We have, and probably all of us have people in times and things that don't go our way. That's not what he's talking about, but what he's talking about is, you know what, God's going to come and defeat things that keep us from him and help us to be able to find him and to live for him. And so Zacharias proclaimed deliverance. He proclaimed that mercy would come. He proclaimed that John would prepare the way of the Messiah, that he was going to proclaim a message. And guess what happened? When we find John the Baptist as an adult, you remember where we find him? He's out in the wilderness, out in those wild places, proclaiming a message that says this, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So he was out preaching this message of repentance, and then Jesus shows up that day, and John baptizes Jesus. Not because Jesus needed cleansing from sin, but Jesus' baptism was so that Jesus could identify with us and to remind us and to show us that he was fully human, but he was also fully God. And he had come from afar to deliver anyone that would call upon him. He came to give a gift that he was willing to give to absolutely anyone that was willing to receive it. But not only did Jesus come that, and that we, reminds us that we need to be busy about proclaiming deliverance, Zacharias said, John, you're going to be ready and you're going to be making noise, and people at First Real Baptist Church, you need to be busy in making noise, preparing mercy. Zechariah said to his son, Child, you will be called the prophet of the highest, and you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us. It says, John, your job is going to be to go and prepare people to receive the Messiah. And you know what? Sometimes there are people that, and God needs to use us, use me and use you to prepare people to receive the message of salvation. There's a couple of reasons, I think, for that. One is that we cannot possibly know that we need salvation until we realize that we're lost. We can't possibly know and find a redeemer until we recognize, hey, we're, we need redemption. And so part of our work in proclaiming the message of Christmas is to help prepare people to receive the mercy that God was giving on Christmas Day. And that's available to anyone today in 2021 that will receive it by faith. The gospel message reminds us that God does not turn anyone away. But that we all have fallen short of God's glory. 
Paul said it that way in Romans 3.23. There is none righteous, no, not one. That means I needed salvation, you needed salvation, and everybody that you know needs salvation. Everybody does. And the great thing is, is that Jesus came to give salvation to anyone who will receive it. What a great and marvelous message. But people need to understand and be willing to hear that message. And guess what? People, especially in today's world, are not going to hear that unless you've built a relationship with them. Unless they know you. And unless you've earned the right to speak difficult things into their life. I wish it was just as easy as proclaiming the gospel to someone and they, bam, get saved right away. That sometimes does have not very often at all. What for most of us probably happened, and it's even more this way today, is that seeds were planted in our life. Seeds of the gospel. And through different people and through God working different circumstances in our life, those seeds were watered. And so eventually one day, that seed became a plant and was ready for harvest. But you see today that process takes a lot longer than it used to. And people in today's world, they, they think, hey, I'm okay. Yeah, I might have a few problems, but I'm not as messed up as that guy next door. You should, you should see them. I mean, they are a flat-out mess. And I'm not that bad, so yeah, I'm, I'm okay. And until people recognize and are willing to come to terms and to say, you know what, I'm not okay. I'm as a hot mess as those neighbors or those that I really think that the preacher needs to be preaching to. Because you see, when we think that we're not ones that needs preaching to, we're in big trouble. And that's an indicator we're the ones that need preaching the most. But... John was to prepare people's hearts for the mercy that God wanted to bring. And I tell you that God wants you and me individually and us collectively as a church to work to build relationships with people to convince them that God loves them and that they need a relationship with Him. God wants us to help people to realize they're not okay. And that's okay. God knows what a mess we are. And yet he loves us anyway. And that's the message of Christmas. Yes, God knows all your junk. You know, the, the elf on the shelf and, you know, we parents try all these tricks to make their kids uh, be good. But I'm glad, you know, most of the kids have gone to children's church, let me tell you. Even if your kid is rotten, 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 you still give them a present on Christmas. Now, let's be honest, that's true, isn't it? I saw somebody, a Facebook uh, post said somebody, here's, uh, you don't need up on the shelf, wrap up a bunch of empty boxes, and every time your kid is bad, throw one of the presents in, a fi- in the fire and burn it up. That will, don't try that. 
But the reality, because I would, this is what would happen, is I would forget which boxes were empty. And I'd be throwing, you know, something really good or expensive at the fire, burning it up. But listen, this is the truth, that, you know what, you're going to give that kid a present. And that's how God looks at us. He knows how rotten we are. And he loves us anyway. And so we don't have to pretend with God that we've got it all together. I've had lots of people say, Preacher, yeah, I know I, I, know I, I need Jesus, and you know, I'm not God in my life, and I need to be a part of a local church, but I've just got too many things to, going on in my life. I've got too much. Once I get things straightened up, then I'll come. Well, the reality is, is that the only way that we can fix our life is to let God do it, because we can't do it. The only thing we're capable of is making messes. We can't clean it up. And so if we're waiting to get things in line before we come to God, we're never coming. And so God has given us this message, this Christmas message, because there are people in our lives, in our family, in our workplaces, in our neighborhood, that think, you know what, they have to be fixed and perfect before they come to God. And God wants to use you to prepare them to receive the mercy that God has for them. So God wants us to understand, help people uh, to realize, number one, that they're lost and they need salvation. But secondly, God wants us to share this message and prepare people to receive mercy, to know that, hey, listen, God knows all your junk, and he loves you anyway. And though you are horrible, he offers you this free gift. The truth of the gospel is found in Romans uh, 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that gift is available to absolutely anyone that will receive it. But in order for them to receive that, their heart has to be prepared. And God will oftentimes want to use you to do that. Because listen, the reality is if God can use you and God can fix you, God can fix anyone. And so we're to be busy about proclaiming deliverance and we're to be busy preparing people to receive God's mercy and then lastly, we're to be busy propagating the gospel. Well, that sounds a lot like the others, and to a degree they are. They're all very similar, and they touch on one another. Propagating simply means to share or to spread. And that's what we're to be doing as God's children. That's what Zacharias was doing. He laughed at God, the absurdity that God would use an old man uh, and an old woman. And by the way, God had done that on numerous occasions to, to a woman who was big. And, you know, and un, perhaps it wasn't even that. Perhaps Zacharias knew he wasn't worthy to have that kind of responsibility. And yet God entrusted them with it. And God let Zacharias be a part of God's plan. Even though Zacharias laughed in his face 
But when John came, Zacharias' first message was a reminder of God's mercy and God's grace. And you see what? If you've not really experienced God's mercy and God's grace, how can you possibly tell it to anyone else? You can't. If you've never heard that song, Silent Night, Holy Night, you certainly can't tell it to somebody else. But if you've sung it, and you've sung it, and you've sung it, and you've sung it, and you've sung it, you know it. And so you can sing it loud and proud, whether it's on key or not, and share that message. And so God wants to use us to share and to spread this message that God has come. And God has, in his great mercy, visited us. And God desires to give those who walk in darkness light. And that light is an everlasting, eternal light who ex that exists in a person named Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. is that as the light that we have, God has that same light that he can pass on to someone else, and the light never gets dimmer. It's just as bright in me as it is in the next person, the next person, the next person. Our light should not diminish. In fact, the reality is the more we give away the light that Jesus comes, the brighter the light of Jesus is inside of us. Doesn't make sense according to human math, but very few things that God does make sense in human terms. And He does that on purpose. The absurdity of using a broken, rotten sinner to proclaim a message of grace does not make sense. But it's the way that God works and it's the way that God works because who better to tell somebody that's lost how to be found than one who was lost himself or herself some of you know uh, little towns Leslie's from this little town called Richton Mississippi chances are if you've been to Richton Mississippi that's where you were aiming to go because you don't end up there by accident, uh, unless you're really, really lost. Well, 20 years ago, if you'd asked me, how on earth do you get to Richland, Mississippi? You know what I would say? I've not even heard of Richland, Mississippi. Why would anybody want to go to Richland, Mississippi? But then I met a young lady that happened to be from there. And so Richard, Mississippi suddenly became mighty important to me. And we've lived here in Pearl for a couple of years now. And so from here, I can tell you how to get to Richardson. You get on Highway 49 and you go to, toward Hattiesburg. And when you get to Hattiesburg, you turn left and you go on Highway 42, I think it is. And that'll take you there. How do I know? Because I've been there. 
and I know the way. You know, knowing how to get to Richton in the grand scheme of things in life and especially in the things of eternity doesn't really amount to a hill of beans. But knowing how to get to the Savior is all important. And Frank, can I tell you, you better know, make sure you know how to get there. And if you know the way, how dare you keep it to yourself? To be honest, you really can live life and be perfectly content never having been to Richland, Mississippi. But you cannot live life and be content having not known Jesus. He is the one that's the Prince of Peace. You see, there's a lot of roads in life that are promising deliverance and promising joy, and promising mercy and goodness. But you see, all those roads lead astray. They don't lead to where they proclaim to lead to. There's only one way to peace, and it's the Prince of Peace. But the good news is, we know how to get to Him. God says to you, you know what? Don't laugh at God. Don't keep silent. You proclaim the message. And you repeat the message often. And you share it with everyone. Don't make God make you lose your voice. For you to be willing to go and to shout. And to proclaim the message of the gospel. Don't make God put you in a dark corner or a valley. Or a pig trough like he did the prodigal son. Don't let it take that to get you to be willing to say something about the Lord and to turn to Him. You see, God's children are to always be about propagating the gospel, to share it with everyone. And listen, those that are saved already, they love to hear it, and that's wonderful news, and, and they rejoice in that story. And so if they already know it, tell it again. And those that have never heard it, my goodness, you tell it because they need to hear it. The deliverer has come. The question is, do we know it? And are we living like we know it? And are we helping others to know it? You may not be a Bible expert, and the truth of the matter is share the gospel. You don't need to be. This is all you need to know in order to help somebody to find Jesus. Saying, hey, I was lost, but now I'm found. If Jesus has found you, you can share the message of hope and the message of Christmas with others. And I want to challenge you, pray and ask the Lord to help you find somebody this week that you can share the Christmas message with. Maybe somebody that you need to build a relationship with. Maybe somebody that you have a relationship with, but you've been quiet about the gospel message and their need for it. This week, you be vocal. Don't be silent. You make it a loud night. Because I can assure you that night that Jesus came in, it was not a silent night. It was loud and messy. And yet it was a day and a night that changed history forever. 
And that's something to make some noise about. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, thank you that you love us so much that despite our mess, despite our brokenness, that you love us and that you give us peace and you give us joy. Lord, may we remember that this season especially, but Lord, there are people all around us that don't have that joy and they don't have that peace because they don't have you. Lord, would you give us the courage and the boldness to proclaim to them the message of Christmas. To remind them that God loves and offers salvation to everyone that will receive it. No matter how far away a person's wandered from you, they can know your mercy and your deliverance and your salvation. Help us proclaim that message with a loud voice in Jesus' name. Let's stand together if God spoke into your heart. And there's a decision you need to make today. Today would be a great day. Perhaps today you would need to say, you know what, I just want to pray for someone that needs the Christmas message. And, and, and you need to pray for that individual and ask the Lord this morning to give you an opportunity to speak to them this week. Let's sing together this morning. And if God spoke to your heart, you do business with the Lord today.